The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week on Head & Heart Work Conversations, we're talking to Tanya Ingram, whose pronouns are she, her. Tanya is a poet, a mental health and lupus advocate, a kidney transplant hopeful, and the author of How to Survive Today, a collection of poems, prompts, and affirmations meant to see you through your struggles. She's also a great friend of mine, a fantastic writer, and a new cat mom of a cat <laughs> named Jojo. <laughs> so welcome, Tanya. Thank Hello. you so much for being here. Here. Hello. Hello. Thank hello, you hello. for having me. This is, this is yes. awesome. Thank you. I think a lot of our listeners will actually already know you because you featured at one of our virtual live shows, I think over the summer or over last, I can't remember time and space. Time is no, real. It's all a blur. Yeah, it's all. <laughs> it isn't real, man. <laughs> um, anyway, so uh, just before I get into the questions, just want to say like a general thank you. Um, I've always loved uh, the ways in which our two creative careers have overlapped and interwoven one another. Like I think we've sort of like grown up as creative professionals together. Um, Tanya mm -hmm. and I, um, have done other collaborations a lot in the poetry and mental health world. And I'm just like really grateful for this relationship. So thanks for being here and like carrying out that relationship with me. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. 
uh, you're a friend of mine. <laughs> so I know a little bit about your journey, what brought you here, what like inspires you. Um, but can you tell our listeners who may not know anything about you, what brought you to this moment today? What's important to you? What what influences your work? Like what, what's important for folks to know about you? Absolutely. Um, so I am a poet, um, and I've been doing the poetry for, uh, probably a little over 10 years, but what got me to this moment right now as just a human trying to survive these times is, uh, my own journeys with mental health and specifically with, um, with lupus. Um, so I was diagnosed with lupus, which is a chronic illness, um, where the body, um, attacks itself, but I don't like to say attacks itself. I just think me and the body just have some communication issues. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's brought me to just this moment of looking at life very differently, looking at my, my mm. work very differently and just what is the purpose of living. And, um, I've been living with lupus for almost like nine years now. Um, that is wild. it is, it is wild. It, it it's is wild, wild because I remember hanging out with you like the summer after wow. you were diagnosed. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, we were like in LA or something yeah. and you were like, this happened to me. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah. I didn't, I didn't understand the gravity of it either. You know, I don't mm -hmm. think I understood. Yeah. We were at a, yeah. we were at a bar. I remember it very clearly. Yeah. Um, and my life, like I actually just don't even really remember who I was before mm. I was diagnosed at 22. Mm. So literally my life is just, I'm a different person, but, yeah. um, so a lot of my work is informed by that is just reminding people that they're not alone, whether dealing with depression or anxiety or dealing with chronic illness, which is a whole, you know, thing. But, um, but yeah, I'm that, that's, that's pretty much it. I'm a little yeah. lady and living with lupus. And what brought you to your cat mom journey? Maybe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Jojo, who is staring at me right now. Hi, Jojo. Um, what brought me to Jojo, she was given to me by a friend who actually, Jojo was just like, um, my friend was staying at this Airbnb and Jojo was a stray cat and just kind of walked up to her. And my wow. friend knew at the time that I really wanted a cat um, just to deal with my own, just loneliness, um, just for emotional support. Um, I live alone and living alone with chronic illness and depression, like it's just a lot. And so to have some kind of support would be awesome. So she brought Jojo from Texas here. Um, and she's been great. She's pretty wild. We play hide and seek. We played tag <laughs> last night. She's my little lady. I love cats who emulate dogs. Yes. yes, yes. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. For sure. Well, we know that you've been, you're a huge mental health advocate. Um, and I know that you um, offer a lot of insights and advice on your social media and in other places. Um, but I'm curious, what advice would you give to someone who's struggling with mental illness and how to advocate for themselves um, in romantic and like other types of relationships as well? Mm, that's a good one. Um I think my clearest form of advice today, because it changes every day, but today is to take it one second at a time. I, um, mm. My last relationship, um, I had a really bad mental breakdown um, and my mental health was probably at its worst. And I struggled with just suicidal ideation. I just wasn't mm. in a good place. And I'm... Um, it, it was literally one second at a time that got me to right now. Mm. Um, mm. And so in any kind of relationship, 
you know, you're giving so much of yourself. And when you kind of feel like it's not reciprocated or you're just heartbroken, like it can, that can feel like the world. Um, and it can feel like nothing else matters. And so one second at a time, um, and do what you can, you know, and you're not like a failure if love failed. You know? And I think that was a huge mm. thing for me. I definitely felt like, oh, I'm a failure. Like, I'll never get love. But like, that's just not the case, you know. Um, but it, it took one second at a time to get there and allowing mm. people to allowing your support system to love on you, to remind you of who you are. Um, because, yeah, it was. Yeah, it can it can it can get really dark and really heavy. So. To, to be as kind and as patient with yourself as possible. Mm. Mm. I kind of like stemming off of that again, as somebody who knows your work and your existence online um, pretty familiarly. Um, I noticed that like, I think something that draws people in is that you're so honest and vulnerable about your experience, about your emotions and, um, but you also at the same time, and I'm always impressed by this, you show up really big for people like you're such a loud voice for hope. You're such a loud voice mm. for rest, for recovery. Um, and I'm I'm always impressed by it because I see the labor that you're doing, right? You're bouncing between taking care of yourself and also really being this source of hope for people or comfort or affirmation, you know, just an affirmation that they're not alone, like you said earlier. And that's reflected in your online resources, you know, like your Instagram, which we'll shout out later, your book that I mentioned in the intro. Um, you're just like such a resource for people. But also at the same time, I see you go on social media hiatuses, breaks. Um, I can tell that you're really mindful about like when you need rest and, um, I'm curious, like if that balance or that relationship was always natural for you, or if it was like hard earned or hard learned, um, or like, I guess, like, what do you think of when you think of that striking the balance between taking care of yourself, which is a boundary, right. And yeah. also like being this voice for so many people. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think I learned that balance when I got diagnosed with lupus because mm -hmm. it became the physical manifestation of if you do not take care of yourself, you will be in the hospital or you will, you know, yes. be hooked up to There's no metaphor there. There's no, there is no <laughs> yeah. metaphor. Yeah, exactly. It's, literal. it's yeah. so literal. Yeah. And I think coming from poetry and the life, you know, just living as a poet, everything is metaphorical. And so I'm like, oh, okay, yes. like this can be a cute metaphor, but then it's like, Oh no, your body's like, no, I will literally shut you down if you don't sit down. Mm. Yes. Um, and so wow. yeah. that became my boundaries because I didn't have any before I kind of overworked myself. Um, I, I believe that being a poet or a creator, like storyteller, like it's my responsibility to just care for the world. And I just care for people in general. Um, um, and that's a beautiful thing, but I wasn't caring for myself as much and I became right. really just depleted. Um, so yeah, when I got diagnosed with lupus, I would see like, oh, like I can't do what I would normally do. I can't go to those same lengths. Like totally. I have to sit down, especially with Instagram where I'm often torn because 
it's such a space for me to just be in community with people. Um, but then I would mm. often find myself getting headaches or like being overwhelmed. And mm. I'm like, no, I got to keep reaching. Like I have to do it. But then my body would be like, no, like now I'm fatigued or like I'm throwing up or like I'm mm. getting these intense headaches. And it's my body's way of saying, we need you to rest before, you know, you can't serve from an empty well, you know, and it's true. That's the metaphor, but then the literal of it is, yes. oh yeah, I'm in the hospital now. Okay, like I need yes. to rest. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was the literal, the physical manifestation of yeah. learning how to respect my boundaries for myself. And do you feel that manifesting in like interpersonal relationships as well? Absolutely. Um, even yeah. with like with friendships, I'm, I have a, a friend of mine, really close friend, where I had to learn boundaries with her. Um, even with like my mom and I, like I'm learning mm. my family, which was really hard because oh my I, God, yeah, I, bet. I don't like I, I there were no boundaries. It was however I can show up. But like I had to learn how to communicate with them and say, this is how I can show up. You know, this is how I can love you. And and this is yeah, it's, it's, it's taught me a lot and it's teaching me a lot, especially even like dating wise. Like I would have no boundaries when it came to dating. I would just kind of like if the guy liked me, that was enough, you know, but mm-hmm. like now I'm like, yeah. mm, I don't really leave my house for anyone if I don't think they're worth a conversation. Yeah. And like, that's something wow. I had to learn with my body. Like I have to do dialysis every night, um, which is the process of like a machine acting as your kidney and filtering out the toxins. I do that every night for like 10 hours. So um, at a certain time I have to be in bed and like do that whole process. So if I want to date, which is difficult to do that person has to be worth it so like i'm already establishing Mm -hmm. like okay if i'm gonna spend time with this person you like they need to be absolutely worth it because i have to be in i have to do this Mm -hmm. dialysis thing for so long that like they have to be worth my time my time is precious Mm -hmm. i don't think i really thought of my time as precious before but like yeah understanding my boundaries understanding my health mentally and physically like all of that comes to play yeah, your wellness is precious yeah. too. I think that's such a mm. such an important insight. Um, and honestly, it kind of leads into the next question. So it, you might have already answered it, but you know, we know that dating and relationships can be universally challenging for a myriad of reasons. Um, but I understand that process to be that can be even more intimidating for folks living with chronic illness or living with disabilities, seen or unseen, and um, I think it just like adds a mix of complication to that already complicated pot of experiences. Yeah. Like, do you divulge on your your dating profile? You know, do you when do you invite them into this vulnerable part of you, or is it not vulnerable? You know, like I think it there's a lot of really important questions there, and I'm wondering what aspects of dating with a chronic illness have surprised you mm-hmm. or what, what you want to share when you think of that? Absolutely. Um, wow. I will say when I started, when I was first diagnosed with lupus and I was dating, I was really, um, I, I would hide it um, just because mm. I didn't know what it was. Like right. I didn't know how to really explain it. I didn't have the language for it. Um, and, and then I actually got into a relationship while I was dealing with my lupus and um, it was, about a year 
year and a half relationship and this person saw me like go to the hospital and like yeah it broke him down like in a ways that I wasn't prepared for um so mm. I think that informed after we broke up and informed my my dating afterwards um I was unsure if I would let people know what was going on um but then when I when my health kind of took a turn for the worse um, and my kidneys started to fail and I had to be on dialysis, I had a catheter. Um, it was harder to um, not let people know because it was visible. Um, right. So I, so I went through kind of like the motions before it was kind of an invisible thing with the lupus. And then it became very visible with the catheters and the kidney right. failure. And then that's when it was a little more difficult because I, I've always used dating apps. Um, and on my profile, you could see the catheter. It was like a big mm. white bandage on and, and guys would be like, wait, what is that? And I would tell them and some would be like really curious ask more questions others would literally maybe say like I, I can't do this um and would mm, disappear wow. and it would break my heart because I'm like oh like you didn't even get the chance to get to know me or my story um other guys would ask questions which I appreciate but like is it contagious or things like that which you know it, it's not <laughs> it's honestly just google just it like, <laughs> do, the, do the preliminary research on your own it's like available <laughs> yeah i feel like that's nominal effort right no, there no. Right? so so it's been really difficult um but um i've always uh, uh, just I, at one point i just had to just be honest you know if, if someone is yeah. going to be with me they're going to be with all of me you know yeah um mm. And I kind of just let that be the case. And so, um, yeah, I, I let people know like, hey, I have a chronic illness. This is what I deal with. And they ask questions. And, and if they're intrigued, we kind of keep talking about it. But um, but it is hard. It is still hard. Like I'm on apps now and I, it depends on I still kind of filter out if I want to let people know because yeah. it, people at least the guys on the apps, they, they have some apprehension about it. So it, it's difficult. It's difficult in, in wanting to still feel like attracted to, like I feel unattractive sometimes with like mm. what I have mm. with my catheter or the fact that my body has altered so much because of the chronic illness and even like hooking up, I can't, like, I can't casually date. I feel like Right. It's not it's not as simple for me. Like I have to be home right. at a certain time. You're going to see like mm -hmm. these catheters on my body. Like, right. will that freak you out? You know, I have stretch marks going from my feet up into like my uh, to my stomach that freaks people out. Um, so it's really difficult. And 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 that's why now I'm like, huh, like the energy it takes to date. The, the, well, we're in a pandemic, first of all. So I feel like yes. that's already stressful. <laughs> you know, right. I, I deal with my own mental health. That's already enough, you know, and then put on a chronic illness. I'm like, I don't know, like, should I just be single forever? But I don't want that. Like, I, I want to be yeah. with someone um, who can take, who can support, you know, who wants to take care of me. And it's not a burden. My last relationship, um, mm. um, he felt like, not that I was a burden, but that, that it was too much for him. He couldn't handle it. And I also understand that I will be in the hospitals in and out of my life forever. And that's, that's hard for someone to see, you know, if you love someone to see them in a the hospital all the time. And, totally. Um, mm. So I, I don't know. I, I it, it is difficult. It is difficult. And today I'm like hopeful about it. I actually have a date tonight. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So we'll see. I'm nervous. I, I'm I'm really nervous about it. But um, he doesn't know about like my health, and if it comes up, I'll talk about it. But like, there's always this hesitation. Like, ugh. Like, will this person? Um, how will they react? Um, and yeah. I don't. I don't know. I'm I'm watching To Love Is Blind on Netflix. Um, mm-hmm. and I think about shows mm-hmm. like this. And they're some of them are really silly. But I think like, man, like I I would like to do that. Or someone doesn't see me and they just know me for my story or mm. just whatever. What I just dis- choose to disclose and like, will they be able to accept me just for me? Um, and with everything that I have going on, and I believe that person is out there. It's just, um, yeah. It's difficult, though. I will be honest and say that it is difficult. And that actually leads to the next question really profoundly, because we actually get a lot of letters from folks who are dealing with um, mental health uh, stuff, dealing with chronic illness, dealing also with like um, degenerative illness, too, where where someone is going to have to literally start physically taking care of them at some point. And this fear and anxiety over um, what if I'm too much? Right. Like what if we're what if somebody can't handle that? What if I never find someone who's going to be able to to navigate it? Or like I feel like I have to keep this thing that's deeply affecting me submerged so that people don't find out about it and then think that I'm too much. And I'm I'm curious, you've talked a little bit about it already, but what are some of the things that you do or tell yourself or how do you support yourself when those feelings of like too much are coming up for you? Just looking at examples of a love of love in my life like the friendships I have mm. I have so mm. many friends that do love me um for who I am and never make me feel other um my grandmother loves me in a way that's unconditional you know knowing that that love exists and that I've experienced it with two in two relationships it didn't work mm. out ultimately but it did happen and they knew like they saw the extent of how bad it can get Um, and they were still there and supportive. So I know that it exists. And also there are so many beautiful people with chronic illnesses that are in amazing relationships. So there are examples out there. Um, and it just, it just requires patience. And again, like living with a chronic illness is such a metaphor for life in and of itself. It teaches you so many of these like mini lessons. And so, Every day I have to exercise patience with myself. You know, if I'm in bed Mm. until like 1130, I don't start my day until 1 p.m. Like I have to be okay with that. If I have to be okay with if if all I can do in a day is um, like wash the dishes or like write a poem, like one poem or like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, just take a walk and get coffee and come back home. And sometimes that's all I can do. The other day I went grocery shopping. I made a meal and I was exhausted. That doesn't mm-hmm. seem like much, but like that's a, that's a lot for me. And so that's patience. Like I have to be patient with myself. And so I think I'm learning the characteristics that I want in a partner and through this chronic illness. Like I want someone who's wow. patient. I want someone who, you know, is okay with just relaxing. I want someone who who like understands my sense of humor. Like I feel like if you have a chronic illness, you got to really have a really fun sense of humor because it's it's also hilarious. I want to be with someone who I can like play with and like, you know, just grow with because I'm doing all of those things with myself. Um, And I, I didn't really know that until like recently, really, like I was so kind of obsessed with a part with, with, with wanting love, um, and like wanting like a partner, um, 
And it, it really caused like a lot of like mental breakdowns for me. But after this last one with my last relationship, I really kind of came to terms with, oh, like I know I have everything that I want in, in, a, in myself and a partner. And I, I'm learning how to nurture that. Like I am my own best partner so that when that person comes along, I know that they fit because I've already figured that it out in myself. Mm. Wow. It's really striking me how the the lupus diagnosis and the fact that your body, you can't ignore it anymore, right? In the way that so many of us do, we sort of live above our shoulders yeah. all the time yeah. and without even thinking about what we're doing to our bodies or what our bodies need. And, and like just the fact that you no longer have that option available to you um, has so much profound meaning and like lesson learning that, that you've had to learn. Um, and that some of us like never have to go through slash we'll go through when we're much older. Right. (laughs) And then suddenly it's like, I haven't spent any time preparing for what it feels like for my Mm -hmm. body to suddenly start betraying itself. Right. Like, um, and just profound that just thinking about, um, how many of us are going to walk through this world without ever having to, to notice that, Mm -hmm. um, and how we're not going to have that we may never have the empathy or the ability to, to nurture it in other people too. Um, which sort of leads me to my next question about like, you've talked about patients being one of the things that like partners of people with chronic illness can do as well as maybe some levity Mm -hmm. or the ability to sort of approach it in a way that is um, realistic, but also maybe like hopeful or like dark humory as well. But as you're thinking about folks who are considering dating somebody who has a chronic illness or already dating someone who has a chronic illness, like what other advice would you give them to help be as supportive as possible? Mm. Um, at least from your experience, knowing that every experience of chronic illness is, is different. Yeah. I definitely think one thing is to not look at your partner or your person um, with any pity um, mm. because yeah, like, Yeah. One. Um, and then another thing is to <laughs> just show up as, as you can ask, ask your partner what they need, you know, cause it may not be the obvious thing. You may think like, Oh, they may need me to like, uh, get groceries for them or run errands, but like, it may just, I just may, may need you to just sit on the couch with me or, um, mm. or like just sit in silence with me as I cry through this, like this, this pain or, yeah, just ask what your partner needs, um, which may seem very simple, but I think that's one thing I learned through my relationships. I think it was my partners kind of assumed I wanted this one thing or I needed them to be around all the time where, where I, sh- I just needed them to like hear me when I'm complaining mm-hmm. because sometimes yeah. I just want to complain like, I don't know, I'm throwing up and I don't want to throw up or like, like I'm aching right now and this sucks, you know, um, just like listen. Um, someone who list, can listen and, and hold space um, for for me and for their partner because a lot of chronic illness, it changes day to day. Some days I may be good and I can do everything on my to-do list and then there are other days where I can't do anything and I, I, and I a partner needs to be able to adjust and adapt to that kind of changing schedule because right. my body, my health is always changing. One day I'm good. The next day I'm in the hospital, like fighting for my life. So I, someone who can adjust in that way, um, which takes a lot of strength, but someone who can do it and be present in that way. Um, yeah. And it can communicate because 
Um, another thing is my partners, they, they wouldn't kind of communicate. They would bottle up. They would see me in the hospital bed, understandably so, and kind of break down and then shut down mm. completely. And then that's when I need you the most. Like, let me know, mm. like, this is hurting you so I can let you know, like, okay, like, let's communicate through this thing, you know. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah, those are my. Yeah, I I love that advice of like asking what your partner needs and also asking for what you need too. Like that's such good advice just in relationships writ large. And I'm just thinking a lot about like, I guess the like assumption of wellness, right? Like we're sort of operating under this assumption that everyone is fine. (laughs) And like, we're assuming that we know what they need. Um, And that is so, that becomes really apparent when you're sort of dealing with chronic illness, but like, even if we're not right, we're not always fine. You know, we're not always... We can't always assume we know what people need. So how do we build that skill to to ask for it? Not not just when it's like really apparent yeah. that we need to be asking that, right? Exactly. You know what I thought of too, Sam? You said there's like an assumption of wellness. Um, I thought too that there's an assumption in caretaking too that people either... I, I, I know I'm guilty of it where I assume um, what these people need or assume that caretaking is much more all-encompassing than we think it is when in reality, like Tanya said, so often it's just to be heard, seen, mm. validated. Yeah. Um, it's just a, like you said, Sam, it's just, just a good reminder for all relationships that we're not mind readers, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> in both directions. All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash just break up for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash just break up to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash just break up. All right, head and heart workers, you know, I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. 
That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. <laughs> Stop wasting yeah. you money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. <laughs> Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Okay, a couple more questions before we wrap up. Um, we'll do some a light one, and then we'll do like a quintessential Tanya Ingram question. <laughs> so um, I've noticed a trend on your Instagram over the last like six months where you've been having great online conversations with your followers about dating, about online dating. What a a dumpster fire it can be, you know, like how it's wildly necessary also, so, yeah. you know, like, and it's vulnerable yeah. and powerful at the same time. Yeah. Um, do you want to share any of your thoughts about that or anything you've learned from your listeners or an experience oh, you've had? <laughs> um, there was one experience where, uh, okay. Yes. It was, it was a, a man who answered one of my prompts and he does it often. Or I, I asked prompts like, you know, what's your, you know, your dating dating life look like now or like any stories you want to share and i have this one guy who like he's married and he keeps like flirting with me and like in the comment section and like it's really weird um that's just a weird thing i have yeah. anyway outside of that um everyone's stories are like so um they're unique but there's such a common thread of um i just want like someone to be with me for me and like there's a level of two like mm -hmm. i try to get really honest about like loneliness and i think again we mm -hmm. are in a pandemic mm -hmm. and i was lonely before the pandemic this kind of like adds an extra like layer to it and so yeah i find it quite necessary and beautiful and vulnerable and just powerful for people to kind of share like hey i'm really lonely right now I'm really like isolated and sad and and still people finding like the joys in like sharing their stories and like saying yeah I'm going on this date I've, I've had this one person say I, I, I this is my first date ever in life and shared that with wow. me and, 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 wow. and the community and, and other people saying like oh like I'm I'm choosing to be single for the next year and that inspired me and like maybe I should just choose to like just be single but like yeah. people at different sure. stages in, in love and in relationships and being open about where they're at and, and it not being a judgmental 
place, but more like, this is where I'm at. Okay, cool. This is where I'm at. And like, there's so much beauty in in that and where we can all share where we're at in our journeys. And it gives me like, I'm sure like people receive like hope from that, but it honestly gives me hope. Like, oh, okay. Like I'm, 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 I'm good where I am. Like, I don't have to rush this process. I don't have to, you know, be devastated that like I'm single right now. Like it's okay to be single. It may suck, but it's okay. And like, again, finding community in that. And so I, I really enjoy it. Um, I love putting little memes under everyone's stories because it, again, it adds <laughs> yeah. a level of levity because loneliness yeah. is such a heavy word like I say lonely and I get kind of sad like I'm sad right now but I'm like wait yeah I'm, I'm okay I have Jojo right here it's all good but like <laughs> loneliness is is just a, a heavy word and so I try to couple it with like a funny meme of like whatever just to like add that like yeah we're all going through this this collective moment of heaviness but like we're in it together so in a way it's lonely yeah. but it's not because we're, we're supporting each other and so I'm mm. grateful to be able to have my Instagram page be a platform for that and that people actually respond um, is, is pretty cool well I think they like you said th- it doesn't just give them hope it gives you hope it, it it's a community platform you know again mm. so much work that you and I did in in the mental health advocacy world is all about just saying we're not alone. You're not alone in your experience and we need other people. Um, This is less of a question and more of just a general comment about your Instagram before we (laughs) move to the Tanya Ingram question of the day. Um, I also thought of this earlier when we were talking about desirability Mm -hmm. and your catheter, Mm -hmm. I really appreciated you leaning into some vulnerability and some bravery this, I think, year, past year or so in which you talked about your body and desire and how to navigate feeling sexy with your catheter. And you posted these beautiful, sexy photos, you know, like, <laughs> and I think I appreciated it as a woman. I think I appreciated it as um, uh, somebody who doesn't have a chronic illness. And, you know, I appreciated it just as this representation of the one representation of somebody looking sexy and beautiful with a catheter, reminding everyone in the world that this exists, you know, Mm. Um, and it's nothing to be ashamed of. And two, um, I appreciated the exercise of desirability in yourself, like that you, that you got dressed and took the sexy photo as like a, as like a ritual, a ritual, of love, of self-love, of self-pleasure or whatever. Um, I found uh, a lot of inspiration in that. I'm reading this book, um, Pleasure Activism by Adrienne yeah. Marie Brown. And that's where I kind of got a lot of that um, desire to just exist as I am and to be representation. I think that was also a huge part of it. I don't yeah. see me on TV mm. or I don't, I just yeah. don't see it at all. And I'm like, wait, there yeah. are so many people with catheters or with oxygen masks or with right. wheelchair, like who, who just, we are also, we're human. We're, we're Sex- sexual beings. We are. Yeah. Before yes. we're our illness, we are, we are humans. And, and, and in that we're sexual beings. And so I just wanted to show that. And um, yeah. it, it makes me feel really good. It makes me feel desirable and, and adds that confidence that it can be taken away. You know, when I'm waking up and I'm puking, I'm like, I don't feel sexy, but then I'm like, wait, yeah. but I am, you know, in all of it, yeah. I am sexy. 
Yeah. And I think it reminded me like self-love, like healing. It's not a threshold that we cross. It is a practice. It is a, it's a ritual. It's showing up for yourself, um, which I loved. Um, Okay. So here's the question that I think is a quintessential tiny Ingram question, which is just, um, what would you tell somebody who was struggling right now? To someone who is struggling right now, I would tell that person that it is okay to struggle right now. Um, you don't have to like get it together mm. or be some version of right right now. Um, that as you are in this moment with the mess and kind of the, the feelings of heaviness, you are alive. And in that, there is just something inherently beautiful about that, about struggle. Um, struggle doesn't last forever. Mm. And so mm. um, right now, I would say be in the struggle um, and also in the back of your mind, if you can hold it, even if it's like a small speck of light, that it does actually get better. Um, yeah. um, and it, it may be hard to like hold on to that entirely, but if you can just... Um, visualize it for a second um, and then let that hold you for the days to come. I promise that it will, it will get better. So that's something I would say to someone um, really talking to myself because we're all struggling to an extent, but yeah, that's, that's what I would say. It's beautiful, Tanya. Thanks. For these conversations with our um, head and heart, heart work interviews, uh, we asked three questions of all of our guests. Um, so the first one is, what is a piece of dating advice that you used to believe in, but that you no longer subscribe to? That um, I had to be whole before I met my person. Mm. It's not true. Mm. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think the journey to wholeness is forever, you know, and so I will always be working on myself. I don't have to have healed completely before I meet someone. I will always be in the process of healing. And when I meet mm. someone, I hope they are also in their process of healing. And we're just going to be working on it, working on it until, you know, lights out. But um, but yeah, I don't have to be whole <laughs> um, to be to be loved. I love that. That's great. Every episode on our primary feed, Sam and I do something called a blind date where we shout out something that we love that we want to set up our listeners with. And we're going to ask you what you want to send our listeners home with this week. So what's your blind date? Yes. Um, so you said it could be a TV show, right? Give me whatever awesome. you want. Whatever you want. Could be I've bubble baths. Like going for walks. Making plans, I think, was one of Sierra's as well. Listen, we do one a week for the last three and a half years. I do not like that much stuff. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say it's this television show called Love Life HBO Max, um, season one and season two, but it follows two different love stories. And I don't want to say any more than that, but it, it, it gives hope to those just kind of struggling about like, will I find love? Um, and I, I, we're all mm-hmm. living our own love stories and, and you just get to see these two kind of play out pretty magically. So love life. Cool. We'll check it out. Yeah. Can add that to the list. All right. So where can people find you and how can they support you? Yes. So you can find me on uh, tanyaingram.com. Um, I am on a social media break, um, but I 
am primarily on Instagram under Tanya Instagram. That's T-O-N-Y-A Instagram. And, you know, you know, if you want to be generous, you know, it'd be nice Venmo, Cash App. I think my Venmo is uh, Tanya Ingram and uh, Cash App is the same. So, you know, if you're feeling it. But other than that, just TanyaIngram.com. And, you know, that's it. <laughs> Tanya, how have we Perfect. been friends for like, over a decade and I just realized that's your Instagram handle (laughs) I literally had just I just typed it in I think it's because the I-N in Ingram (laughs) I don't think I've ever fully read your Instagram handle in a decade (laughs) I'm actually kind of embarrassed by that because I was like that is not her Instagram handle as though I know it better than you and I googled it Anyway, uh, apparently I have no attention to details. Um, Anyway, uh, just want to echo my thanks from earlier today and reiterate um, this interview is just such a privilege and um, your words are gorgeous and important. And I'm so thrilled to have you um, exposed to our Just Break Up community. Um, Thank you so much uh, for being here. And... uh, for everything that you do for everyone that you shine hope to, I guess. Oh, Kitty. Thank you. Oh, and here's the cat in the video. <laughs> Jojo oh, looks Jojo like a troublemaker. Is, yeah. She's what, see? Oh, yeah, so she's cute. smelling the microphone, guys. She's smelling the microphone. <laughs> uh, thank, I just want to thank you, Sierra and Sam, um, for allowing me to share my story. Like, I feel like I needed this. Um, mm. just to be reminded because it can be so easy to forget. And so thank you for just giving me the space to heal. Like, I feel like I healed a little bit just being mm. able to share Aww. my story. So I appreciate y'all. We love you so much, Tanya. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Just break up listeners. If you've enjoyed this episode, like we said, go check out Tanya's work, buy her books. Um, send her some send her some coffee money um and you can also make sure to stay tuned for more head and heart work conversations on our primary feed and if all else fails just break up <laughs>